the reading is taken from John 1, uh, verse 35 to the end of the chapter. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite, in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Isn't the devil naughty, changing the words of the song to make us distracted? That was very naughty. But if you just keep singing and ignore what he does, it really annoys him. So, we're learning about how Jesus was first discovered to be the Messiah. But throughout the Old Testament, we know that the nation of Israel didn't always know when things were under their noses, especially when they were wandering around in the wilderness. They couldn't see that God was with them, even though he was right there. They were really desperate for a leader, and they wanted someone to rise up and free them from their oppression. And at the time when Jesus came on the scene, the people of Israel were yet again under oppression from the Romans. In the Old Testament, it's been predicted so many times that the Messiah would come, and especially in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, he said, The Lord himself shall come to you in a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. That was 750 years before Jesus actually did come to the earth. And we carry on seeing out throughout history, at different times, the people of Israel, they thought they found the Messiah. But it was usually in people groups who were quite violent and who wanted to take the occupying nation by force. And it usually ended up in bloodshed and much tears. 
And it's really sad that they were looking for some strong commander to lead them into battle so that they could overcome these oppressing forces. And yet, when this man came, who was so humble, he was a lamb to the slaughter. And he wanted to lead them, not through violence, but through peace and love. Maybe this was why, most of the time, they didn't recognize him, because they weren't looking in the right place. They were looking for violence and not for peace. So let's have a look in John's Gospel, what he says about Jesus um, being the Messiah. From verse 35, as we heard when Johnny read, John the Baptist calls out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's confirming that he recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. But how does John the Baptist recognize Jesus the sacrificial lamb of God, who would, in a very short time, be crucified. Well, to find out, we have to go back to the day before, to Jesus' baptism in the Jordan. In Matthew, chapter 3, in verse 16, John the Baptist sees the Spirit of God descending like a dove upon Jesus while he's in the river being baptised. And then suddenly... Father God speaks out from heaven and says, This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. In this picture, we have probably one of the only times in the Bible where we have the Father God, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all in one place, all at the same time. It's a pretty kind of good idea that that's a divine situation going on. So John had a bit of a hint there, John the Baptist, that that was a divine moment. But do you know something? John might have been the very, very first person to actually recognize Jesus as the Messiah. How do we think that he was able to recognize the Holy Spirit when it descended and rested on Jesus? Perhaps this was not the first time that John had come in contact with the Holy Spirit. To get a better picture, we have to go to Luke's Gospel, where he's describing the events of John the Baptist's birth. In Luke 1.15, Luke talks about John and says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drinks, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. So that's a confirmation in Luke's Gospel that John the Baptist is going to be filled before he's even born with the Holy Spirit. So we scoot along to verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. So inside his mother's womb, it appears that John the Baptist had already an experience of whom and what the Holy Spirit 
would be like. Oh, I've lost a bit now. Oh, here we go. So when it came to the time, 30 years later on, when John the Baptist is baptising people in the Jordan, and the Holy Spirit did descend from heaven and rested upon Jesus, John realised that this was the same spirit that had affected him when he was still in his mother's womb. As followers of Christ, we believe that Jesus was and is the Messiah promised to the nation of Israel. Most of us haven't had such an obvious encounter as John did, but I believe if we all look back at some point in the past, we can remember the time that we met and fell in love with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Now, let's have a look at what the earliest followers did when they actually recognised Jesus as the Messiah. What did they do when they realised Jesus was the Messiah? Well, the two that actually left John the Baptist and followed Jesus straight after the, the day after the baptism, they went and got someone. Andrew went and got his brother, Simon Peter, who turned out to be quite a mighty man of God. Philip, who also realised that Jesus was the Messiah, he went and got Nathaniel and invited Nathaniel to come and see. Come and see this Messiah. And Nathaniel was very, not very convinced. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But Philip didn't get into a big debate about whether he was and what the signs were. He just said... To Nathaniel, come and see for yourself. Come and see what I've seen. It's just like what Pads and Chris, we've heard their testimony quite often. And uh, how they got to know Jesus. Pads got invited by his friend in South Africa. Just said, do you want to come to church? It wasn't like a big hoo-ha. It was just a simple invitation do you want to come to church? He could have said yes. He could have said no. Thank goodness he said yes. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd, we wouldn't have the lovely experience that we have with Pads being our vicar here at St. Matthew's. But these invitations that they had from people changed their lives and will change the lives of other people. So how can we all be disciples of Jesus? Well... A good place to start is by praying. Ask God to show you people and opportunities where you can invite people. And it doesn't have to be just church. It can be any Christian event or even a non-Christian event. But if you don't invite people out of their usual atmosphere, they're never going to get to know the Jesus that's inside you. I love what it says in Matthew Matthew 7, and it says it in verses 7 and 8. So when something's repeated, I kind of think it's important. When Jesus repeats something, he sort of is saying it's really important. And he says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. 
Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. And then again in verse 8, he repeats the whole thing. For everyone who asks, everyone who seeks will find, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So you can even kind of turn it into a prayer if you like. You can be like, Lord, I'm going to keep on asking you for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. Please keep me alert and open to your leading. And you can turn most Bible scripture into a prayer. But if you want the ask, if you want to get to have doors open to you, to people that you can invite, I really hope that you would, you know, pray that prayer. Lord, I'm going to keep on asking you. I want to invite people. I want to share the good news of Jesus. Since 2005, when I got serious about Jesus, finally, I've had a few opportunities to invite people to different Christian things. Some people I took loved it, received Jesus, and they're happily bobbling along in their faith. Some thought it was completely crazy. One particular lady I met when I used to do amateur dramatics. She became a great testimony for God's grace. We'd gone along to a Christian event in London. And at the meeting, it was very obvious, because she cried a lot, that the Holy Spirit was doing something in her heart. However, she didn't fully commit her life to Christ there and then. It took quite a while. However, last year I had a real privilege of hearing her testimony at her baptism. And it was so amazing to hear and see how far she'd come along in her faith journey. Only the power of Jesus can make such transformations in our lives. One thing I love about being a follower of Jesus is that I know that it's only by the Holy Spirit that God draws people into himself. And the only part that I play in helping others find Jesus for themselves is to be willing to listen to the direction of the Holy Spirit and to try as best I can to be obedient. Did you know in the Bible... The word disciple appears 282 times. The word believer appears 26 times. And the word Christian appears three times. Sounds to me like being a disciple is pretty important. It's not just about learning, it's about passing on what we've learnt and sharing it with others. In the Collins Dictionary, the definition of a disciple is to be a follower, a supporter, a devotee, a believer and a student of a teacher. In our case, our teacher is Jesus through his word by the power of his Holy Spirit. 
And in John 14:26, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all things that I have said to you. As a disciple of Jesus, our main role is to incorporate our faith in our daily lives. It's to be salt and light to those around us, and not just our church family, but those in our workplaces, in our schools, in our families. All being a disciple may look like is having a cup of tea with someone, taking someone you know who can't get out shopping, being a listening ear, being available to pray with someone, or maybe even inviting them to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank goodness it's not rocket science. It's just being willing to put aside ourselves and our own desires, putting others before ourselves. More often than not, It's also preferring other people's dreams above your own. That's what Jesus did. I love what Dr. Richard Kretcher says. He says, Jesus wants a real commitment from our hearts. And then he wants action from our feet 